Tony Speaks, and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. Robin Stewart received a BS degree with a concentration in math and science studies from Old Dominion University and a master's degree in education. He holds five United States utility patents in the fields of sensing technology for smart medical and smart transportation systems. He is the co-founder of DoryQuest Technologies and Dirac Links, where he formed strategic partnerships with GMU and Novent Hospital to create a groundbreaking mental health and physical well-being monitoring technology platform. Robin continues to study the ever-changing wireless architectural landscapes along with the smart devices that operates within them. Personally, Robin has dedicated his life to enriching the lives of others through technology as well as serving homeless communities by creating a monthly warm breakfast drive for the past 14 years. But most of all, this week, Robin Stewart is becoming disciplined. Today on Becoming Discipline, we interview Virginia entrepreneur Robin Stewart. Welcome to Becoming Discipline. We are so honored to have you. Awesome. Pleasure to be here, brother. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Amen. Well, Robin, before you educate us and share your current story, it's always good for my audience to be aware of your context. Amen. The context is king. What is what is your origin story? How did you start out? Where where did you grow up? Well, actually, I grew up in uh, Washington, D.C., and um, around the time that uh, I'll say within the early 80s, my father decided, he's like, let me I get up out of Dodge because uh, a little bit of violence and everything was going on a lot. So he just moved uh, next town over, which was in Alexandria, Virginia. So I ended up spending uh, some of my school years, my school age years there, but I kept, you know, commuting back and forth with um you know, my family, because most of my family still uh, lived in D.C. And to this day, still a lot of them do as well, man. Um, so, yeah, my origins are in the, the DMV. So that's why I've been planted and rooted. Amen. Amen. Now, what part of D.C.? So we grew up actually off of Nella Road in Southeast and, and off of Stanford Street. And then um, I have a lot of family that's in Trinidad in Northeast D.C. So um, it, that's we just been. I've literally lived in all parts of town, downtown, you you name it. Um, so uh, that's that's literally where it's been, uh, where I've you know my roots have been planted. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, what schools did you go to in Alexandria? So in Alexandria, actually, when we moved, I ended up uh, I went to it was GW at the time, and then TC Williams, and it's kind of odd because um, you know my. So I left Staten Elementary, uh, then it was Winston, which is in D.C. schools, and then my parents transferred us uh, to Alexandria City Schools. So, um, you know, that I, I kind of had, to, I had a, the best of both worlds because, you know, from going to, from one environment to that next environment, it, it was a huge, huge shift on my psychology, but also just understanding and seeing a different part of, uh, it's amazing how different the, the uh, two environments were at that time. Amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, what, what year did you graduate TC? So I came out of TC in 89. 
Oh, okay. In a minute, yeah. Uh, 89, okay. baby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Coach Boone was already gone by then, right? But, but uh, Coach Boone, I actually, Coach Boone was my teacher. He was, and I, I did a year or so playing football, but of course I was out there in glory days, but I did know Coach Boone and everybody, everyone who from the area had, have memorable stories about Coach Boone. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Do you have a funny? You have a story you like to share about Coach Boone? Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? Well, I guess the funny. I don't know how appropriate it be, but the most funny story it was was uh, back in them days. You know, a, a PE teacher can say whatever he wanted to say. Right. So <laughs> he literally, we had a kid. We were, uh, I guess, we were learning wrestling at the time, and he literally said something along the lines of, you know, if you weren't active, if you weren't doing anything, what have you, you know, some guys, they'll, they'll chuckle or somebody pass gas or do whatever, or what have you. And Coach Boone would literally be like, uh, if you're not moving around and you up here passing gas, that's an issue. You know, and he'll, <laughs> he'll say things like, you know, and he'll put you on the spot. And he, but he was one of those students that he said, but I forgive you, you know, because you was out here, you know, was, you was working, you know. So my, yeah, I remember him actually, you know, then he was hard and tough, but with love. You knew something, you know, there was a lot that was behind it that had, you know, some type of value that knew that he cared for the kids that he worked with. That is awesome. That's awesome. My my mother-in-law, uh, she graduated the same year that all of the integration and, you know, the oh, year wow. that, the year yeah. that Remember the Titans occurred. Yeah. Uh, she, she actually graduated that year, but she didn't remember it like the movie in her mind. She, okay. she was just scared to death and trying to, you know, she was trying to get through because she remembers protesters at the school throwing stuff at the buses and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So she just, hey. she just wanted to get, uh, get through it all. You know, yeah, that, was, that was Hollywood putting that pixie dust on it. <laughs> yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, would you categorize your childhood as conventional, unconventional? How would you categorize your childhood? You know what? Um, and that's kind of hard to say because it, it, it probably was more unconventional because my dad, who he, um, he was, he was a, for his time, you know, I, I, my dad grew up, he was born in 47. So for his time, he was more, he, I think he was ahead of his time, the way, the type of thinker he was. He was a very analytical thinker and he always saw above what was considered the norm. So, you know, while, every, you know, while the, everything was happening in the neighborhood and what was going on within our communities, my dad would be, the father that was pushing me to do things that I wouldn't see normal kids do. So I was just like, man, okay, dad, uh, you know, all right, I guess I got to do this. So in other words, he was more hands-on. He was more, you know, where every kid may be trying to play the Atari or the video, you know, a Sega. He's like, nah, I want you to build your own game. Why don't you put together this model, remote control uh, car, this model ship? So I had to, so my childhood was built around, centered around, you know, you, you create your own environment based off of your hands and your tools and, this, and, and, and your God-given gifts, and you find that tool. So I had a very exploratory-type childhood. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Well, he sounds like a genius that may not have gotten his recognition here on Earth. So can we say his name? You know, Can we pay honor yeah. to the ancestors? Yeah, it's Jerome Stewart. He was Jerome Stewart. His name is, uh, and a lot of people call him Jerry, but Jerry Stewart. And, and it's, it's really... 
Um, I, I can't even think of the words to actually explain how, um, you know, influential and impactful he has been as a father in my life that's, you know, that led the way. Amen, amen. Well, I had a dad like that, but it wasn't with science. He was like that with me with uh, political science. Right, so, okay. So, that's so. Yeah, yeah, my dad was like that too. And see, that's the thing too. So he was more, he was heavy in the politics and, um, you know, and, and heavy into just the state of the world and current conditions. And, and so that, that really took it to a whole new level as far as my perspective of how I saw the world and how things operate. Amen. 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 That's powerful. Now, you spoke about your dad. Is there anyone outside of the family that inspired you as a young man with their level of discipline? Um, you know what? <laughs> I would say... You know, before technology became a thing, um, you know, I mean, my dad always had me uh, read. I have to pay my homage to, uh, like, the, the Washington Carvers and the Henry Fords of the world because literally it was like, hey, you need to, you know, read, read about this guy who invented, you know, this and created, you know, a, a more than a hundred some ways of what to do with peanut butter and soy. So I, I, I consider George Washington Carver like one of my heroes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, you were doing a lot of uh, scientific things. Did you have any time for sports growing up? Yeah, you know what? So it, it's amazing how that works. So I, I did a little bit of football. Um, I got... I was into like martial arts to a degree, you know, everybody liked karate movies and stuff like that. And I guess I didn't really hit it hard actually until I got into my early, uh, like teen, well, actually my late teen years, my early twenties, I just started going really in depth in it. Uh, cause my dad was just more on the lines of, you know, more academics, more use your head, but I, I was physical. So I did do a, about a year or so playing football, but I, Man, I, I, not that I was, I, I wouldn't say I sucked at it. I would just say that, you know, um, my career kind of ended quickly because I actually ended up with a concussion. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it changed the, changed the whole game, man. So wow. you know, I was like, you better sit yourself down. Then I go to contact sports for mixed martial arts. And they're like, man, how does that make sense? But it is what it is. Right, right, right. So you did some mixed martial arts, but was there a particular martial art that you focused on? Uh, you know what? It was actually uh, a little bit of jet. I did it. Well, actually, Aikido was first. Then we did karate, though. They call it karate, though, because the particular master I was learning from was a mixture of Aikido and karate. Um, and, you know, everybody wanted to study Jeet Kune Do, but uh, I, you know, it was mainly karate and, and Aikido that was my main focus. And then I gravitated to uh, American kickboxing because of the. the freedom that you have with the uh, flexibility and movement and the association of boxing. Okay. So, now, how, how high did you get up in those? Did you get black belts? Or? Well, uh, with Karatino and the model that he was doing, I mean, I, it was more or less like we did, you know, brown or something like that. But when I went to kickboxing, it was just more levels of where you were in the amount of years that you practiced with. So, yeah, I didn't make it to, like, my son, he became a black belt. I didn't even make it to that level. I just, you know, I started just diversifying and diving into, you know, the, the kickboxing and the practicing and the, the sparring and all that other stuff. So, yeah. 
Now, question, uh, you, you graduated in 89, and then mm -hmm. UFC exploding in 94, 95 yeah. or so. Yeah. How, did oh, yeah. that, how did that impact your training? Not at all, because I wasn't about to, I'm like, I, it looks good and it's pretty. Yeah, I think Mike Tyson said it. Everybody can fight until you get in your face. <laughs> so, so that being said, man, I loved it, but uh, I wasn't ready to go out there and try to, you know, be, you know, I, I'd rather be able to just handle myself and, and you know, do what I'm doing. Because I loved it for the conditioning and the sport. To this day, I still do it. But, uh, yeah, man, it, I, man, those guys, they don't even get paid enough, in my opinion. You know, and even back then, it was it was it was like pennies. You literally had to do it for the love of it because it was brutal. That's right. That's right. So we like to time travel in this uh, in this podcast. Oh, I love so it. We're gonna time travel to 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 your age, age fifteen. Mm -hmm. Now you can't totally step into the time continuum, but <laughs> you can but you can whisper to your fifteen year old. The, the technology has been discovered where you can whisper. To your 15-year-old self, one sentence or one warning, uh, what would you tell your 15-year-old self? I would have told him first because, you know, as a 15-year-old, you've seen so, so much. I would have told him first that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Uh, it's going to all work out. And then I also would have told him, uh, pay close attention to the computer. <laughs> amen amen one word computer <laughs> computer computer and computer and amen. computer because um man if we would have known that uh these devices uh would have such an intricate role in everything that we're doing it, it uh especially like like i said so going from dc public schools to you know alexandria city um there was definitely a, a difference in the paradigm shift, but, you know, the amount of resources and to understand, like, you know, this right here is, is going to be the future. That's, that's major. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I didn't see it myself. Yeah. I graduated in 91 and I, I had no idea yeah, um, yeah. what was coming. I don't think I fully got it. When did I know that, oh, yeah, this whole world is changing? I think it was like I didn't get it really till 97. 97, 98, no. 98. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and even then, I think where I got it is my wife and I, when I got it, then I fully invested in it where, this is going to sound crazy, but uh, in 97, we bought a $5,000 computer. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I mean, that sounds crazy now. No, that's it. Yeah, and that's how much they were there. It was, it was, it was ridiculous and brand new and every, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was hard to come by because it wasn't something everyone had. That's right. That's right. That's right. So it kind of kept me current. And, you know, I started getting my feet wet a little bit. Now, when did you fall in love with science? Okay. So here's the thing. Um, so, so I'm more uh, I'm more of a math individual, okay, because I think more numbers. And science is heavily, there's a heavy correlation between science and mathematics. Um, so... I would say, though, you know, giving it back to my dad because, um, you know, he had an inquiry-based type of mind. Everything was very analytical. So I was really intrigued by the certain types of, of processes that you can learn and adopt with, you know, science, but also with mathematics because I just thought, 
you know, that, um, you know, it's weird to see, you know, certain things just take place when it came to, you know, just certain um, processes with life science or just with mathematics. So, you know, my dad kind of, he kind of, I would say it wasn't a, hey, love at first sight. It was more through necessity that my dad was like, hey, you better look at this and you better study this uh, particular um, <laughs> platform. And then I want you to write about it and tell me what you, you know, what, what was your finding once you read it. So that's when I became engulfed in like the George Washington Carver's and what he was doing and stuff like that, because I had to write, I was, it was mandatory. You know, you tell me your story. Give me, give me your two paragraphs on what you learned. And he did, he did it with current events as well, but I kind of, you know, gravitated towards the creators of, you know, like the engine, the pioneers, like uh, carvers of the world and stuff like that. Amen, amen, amen. So what made you choose ODU? I chose ODU because, as, as crazy as this may sound, um, there I knew it was between Hampton University and Norfolk State. And I was like, man, those are two schools that I really like and admire, but at the end of the day, I knew that my discipline wasn't there quite yet. And I said, well, if I go to ODU, I won't be in the mix of what's happening. So that being said, um, but I said, if I wanted to stray and go party or hang out with some folks, I could do that. So I ended up choosing ODU because, um, you know, because of where it was situational uh, wise, but also too, because um, when I saw, um, you know, pictures of it, as far as it being next to this Elizabeth River, which I'm, you know, I was in, being a city boy, seeing a large body of water just took me away. I mean, that was just a whole different platform that, you know, I was like, man, I would love to learn here and, and, and you know, just come out here and sit out in front of the water. And I've been addicted to water ever since. So that has been my, um, that was the, that was the number one, the number one, I think, decision maker that made me say, hey, yeah, you should, you know, ODU is where that. Amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, my brother-in-law had, a, had an experience where he went to UVA, but even though he went to UVA, he found it was like, uh, he was able to have the HBU experience at UVA because within the 30,000 people at UVA, there was 4,000 uh, African-American kids that he pretty much almost exclusively hanged out with. So, so he still had his quote unquote HBU experience encapsulated within UVA. Was that similar to how ODU was, or it it was very similar? So the thing is, when you think of ODU, ODU had a lot of it was more like you know regions, and you know Odomini is a pretty you know sizable college. So you know one thing, being very creative, I also had a love for music. And um, I used to play percussion. I played congos and rototons. I played with a couple of go-go uh, -go bands when I was uh, living uh, at home before I went away to school. And then when I went to school, I was in a band, a go-go band, uh, which we call the underground band. And um, it's amazing because that being said, the people we hung with uh, were all from the DMV area. So you're either from Northern Virginia, Maryland, DC, uh, and that's it. So we all hung together, went to shows, performed, stuff like that together. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah. Um, Arlington had a go-go band called Legacy. Amen. Uh, yeah. I remember Legacy quite well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, uh, coming from North Carolina, I did not get the go-go initially until mm -hmm. you go in person 
to okay. when you go to then he's like, oh, okay, all right, I, I understood. Okay. You know, I understood at that time. Okay, once you go in person, but I, I didn't really get when I came here and I heard it. I was, I didn't, yeah, because I was deep into hip hop and I was like, right, 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 like, right. what is this? You know, <laughs> but uh, but once you have the experience, of, you know, firsthand, it's a whole uh, different world. Right. So, uh, what inspired you to start your own business? Well, you know what, I um, I think there are a couple of things that actually got me to uh, get started in creating my own business. The first thing was uh, when I graduated from uh, ODU uh, and I had a master's degree, um, I had lost a good friend in a motorcycle crash. And uh, and I found out how the way he had crashed. And part of my graduate, when I was finishing graduate school, I had a professor named Dr. Selby and uh, and engineering, he was an aeronautical engineer, and he used to always say, he said, man, you could, um, it's like, it's a lot that you can do with, you know, creation and designing platforms. So, uh, you know, I, I used to, I would share with him the certain things that I was doing, and he'd always impart his wisdom. So uh, as I was always writing in my book, my handbook, because I still keep it, a manual of, of things that I'm creating and writing down, I was writing down this, this technology that was geared towards helping motorcyclists when they maneuver through traffic become more noticeable. And it was a, a, a motorcycle jacket that put turn signals and braking on their back, but it would be inconspicuous until you hit the turn signal. Long story short, created the circuitry, created everything, and I showed it to my dad. My dad was like, dude, you need to patent this. And I'm like, a patent? What do you mean patent? He's like, well, when you come up with a technology, you need to patent it, meaning you need to own it. It's an intellectual property. And that's how that's how thorough and in and, and, and tune with how my dad was with ownership. Um, so that being said, I was like, let me go ahead and patent this process. Let me patent this whole uh, product and, and let me, you know, through osmosis, I was like, I need, since no one is creating it, let me actually try to build a business around it. And that's where we started with that particular, uh, that first patent that I had. So that's when I had the business mindset. And also too, though, my dad owned a shoe company and a shoe store. So I would watch, you know, him and how he would, it was a lot of things that I would learn how to and how not to, you know, deal with transacting and, and, and business. And, and, you know, and I thought about it when it comes to a business, uh, part of owning your own business is, you know, in my opinion, it's, creating your own horizon is created. You'll grow as far as your potential will take you and how hard you push to make that, you know, that, that vision or dream you have a reality. For our audio listeners, we pause at this moment for a one minute and 33 second paid video sponsorship. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening. Whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's it's after church, and I don't know about you. Sometimes after church, I'm just lacking energy. Courtney, yes. Can you get me? Can you get me a uh, one of the vitamins that your mama takes? There you go, Daddy. Mm. Let me try one of these. Tastes pretty good. My God, my God, Q! What do you have in there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12? 
It's, it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast, or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming disciplined. Don't forget to use our promo code becoming disciplined. That is awesome. Now you're also an educator. What disciplines make a great a great educator? Um, I think you should always, as an educator, because I teach mathematics. Um, so uh, with middle schoolers and high schoolers to become a great educator, I think the one discipline that I think everyone should have as an educator to become great would be uh, the ability to be. I guess, I don't know if I want to say empathetic, but I guess empathy. You have to have empathy. You have to be willing to meet people in the middle. I think that's one of the main things because you get so many educators who come from different backgrounds and they think that educating and maybe their philosophy is just one way. And that's, in my opinion, um, and from my experiences, that's not the way. I think... um, there is no one way to educate. I think if you're able to, if someone is, if you're here and someone is here, you need to be able to meet them in the middle. And that, that's on all fronts, academically, socially, experience. I mean, that way, because then you get to learn um, and, and build relationships. So that being said, um, I think that's one of the one disciplines, just being, I guess, pliable, being pliable, having empathy, being able to try to connect in, in areas where you probably never thought you would uh, on a social level, academic level, you know, all the, the entire spectrum. Amen. Amen. Well, you just confirmed what I'm going to be teaching uh, teaching Bible study about tonight. Amen. So okay. you're like the, and, and I've uh, interviewed a lot of education. I used to run a little newspaper and I used to interview, uh, used to interview a lot of uh older educators, people who had been doing it 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. and people I really admire and, and respect, and they always had that same answer. Mm-hmm. That that empathy and being able to really understand and hear the student is the real, it's the real deal, it's the real difference. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we're gonna skip around a while, a little bit. What book outside of the Bible do you recommend that has helped you the most on your life journey? Oh, on my life journey? Um... I would say there, there are a couple of books. Um, so for my life journey, there is a book that I have. I want to, it's, um, it's one by Maxwell. And I can't, his name is John Maxwell. And I use that. It was just more along the lines of just self-empowerment and building yourself. But uh, there's another book that's called TNT. It's, it's like the power within you. Like, I, I will try to read certain empowerment books. So I kind of have an eclectic of, of a lot of books that I've read. But um, I would say TNT, The Power Within You. Um, and that's actually by, like, a, I think it's Claudia Bristol or something like that. Um, also, T.D. Uh, Jake, Soar, books like that. And um, there's the, the, the uh, E-Myth, 
I think it's a business entrepreneurial book. I forget the title. Yeah. The E Myth Revisited. Yeah. The E Myth Revisited. There's the E Myth Entrepreneur. Those are all books that I kind of, you know, uh, I, I, I read to kind of create like a little blueprint of how I would move forward in the process. So just thinking, self empowerment, business, uh, business as far as with growth mindset and stuff like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what uh, we look forward to checking those out, and we'll even uh, we'll do we'll post affiliate links for for people to check those books out. Now, what is your favorite passage or book inside the Bible? My, oh wow, I have a couple of them, but I guess the the number one passage that I held on to, as as strange as it may seem, was Deuteronomy seven fifteen, mm-hmm. and um, and that is uh, God give us as a God will take away all sickness and afflict evil afflictions. Um, because I had, I would say in 2013, I, I had a brain tumor oh, wow. and the brain tumor that I had, uh, was a macroadenoma and this brain tumor was, it, it grew from my, they call it this, it was right next to my, my, my pituitary gland, but it grew pushing against the pituitary gland and down into my spinal, uh, they got, I guess, the spinal uh, cavernous or what have you. They had the sinus cavernous or what have you. But either way, it grew pretty big. <laughs> and this particular brain tumor uh, caused, it, it caused my pituitary gland to malfunction in a way that it was producing uh, the hormone cortisol, which is a stress uh, hormone. So... Uh, from that brain tumor, it caused me to develop what they call Cushing's disease. I mean, I had gained like almost almost 300 pounds. My face was all round. My body was out of shape. Everything was happening. And uh, they, uh, the doctor told me, look, um, we can get this surgery, and there's a 50% chance you could die from this. And he said, but if you don't get it done, I'm letting you know you are going to die from this. <laughs> so, so from there... I was put in a situation where I'm like, okay, I I, I, I got to leave it all up to God. And I just hung on to that, ver- that verse because in Deuteronomy 7, 7, 15, well, first reading it too, Deuteronomy chapter 7, he'll tell you, he'll love you, he'll increase you, he'll bless you. But at the end, it was saying that he will take away all sickness and, you know, evil afflictions, you know, and some people read it as all sickness and disease, but that's all I used to stand on. Because that's all I had. Amen. And um, that became my everyday go-to because I wasn't putting the power and the ability in the human. I wanted to put it into my creator, my Lord and Savior. That is powerful. Very, very powerful. Well, we're so glad to see you come out on the other side of that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Now, does your knowledge of science ever conflict with your faith in God? Um, technically, no, it actually reaffirms a lot, um, because again, um, for the, the company that I've created just recently with, uh, the rock links, um, a lot of what I'm doing and it lets you, it lets me know that I'm on the right path is that I find that a lot of, uh, passages in the Bible will relate to what I'm doing. It just so happens that with the technology and the sensors that I'm developing, that um, the platform and the direction I chose to go, you can literally reference the Bible in a passage that can actually give you guidance to help you 
um, give you a confirmation or, you know, and, and help me with, with my direction of how I'm actually planning um, moving forward. So I, I don't, I don't see a confliction. I just think, you know, you, God gave us the ability to discern and you pray for discernment. So you kind of, sometimes you hear things and you're like, ah, you know, that's not of God. And at the same time too, that's a path that I know I don't need to go down, you know? So, you know, my, I guess my faith is strong and rooted in the sense that, you know, there, there's some things that are way out there uh, and with, with relation to science that, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't touch. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, for my audience, the reason why I'm going to ask this next question is because you do a lot of work with sensors yes. and, and uh, sensor technology. Yes. But within the faith community, there's mm -hmm. much consternation and concern regarding microchipping. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people uh, um, within the body of Christ. There always seems to be a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists. Amen. And I guess that's fair because we don't trust the world. A lot of us don't trust the world system. Right. Um, so as a scientist, what is your perspective on the issue of microchipping? Okay. Well, two things. So there is, the, I guess if I use it, uh, if I think about it like this, I've heard um, there, there are so many, I, I would say, uh, what, what is it? Like folklore or like a, a rumor of, okay, well, if you're a microchip, they're going to control your thinking, and, your, you know, there's so many, you know, beliefs that people have <clears throat> with technology like that could, you know, the, the negative, the potential it could have, positive or negative, and, and, and that being said, I do think that, I think that's, that's really in the space of, like, nanotechnology. And like nanowires and, and, and with microchips and what have you, I think one part of it could be very beneficial. For example, if I have clogged arteries or if I have a particular uh, process where at a level that could be not necessarily microscopic, but very small and they need to scan my body where, you know, I can swallow a capsule in it or like maybe my digestive system, they want to track what's going on and, and, and how everything is being circulated. I think that's good for prescription or prescribing or diagnosing and being able to treat certain ailments or finding out where a problem is, what's going on internally inside, with the way your body's functioning. Um, however, I know a lot of people think, hey, well, man, you got this chip now. It's going to control and track and tell you X, Y, and Z and be able to start thinking for you. And, and that's something that you know, I'm like everyone else. I don't think that's a comfortable space to be in. I don't think that's something great to have. Um, so that being said, you know, I, I see there's pros and there are cons. You know, and the, I think the pros are if it's help, if it's if it's a technology used to help treat, uh, make and prescribe and, and move towards you know making a person healthy and and and, and giving them a longer life then I, I'm all for it. But if it's something that's geared towards controlling the individual and monitoring and tracking, you know, without any positive means or intentions behind it, yeah, I'm, I'm fully against that. Amen, amen, amen. 
I might delete this set next question I'm going to ask you, but uh, yeah, I need you to invent something. I got a seven and a five-year-old. So <laughs> I need you to invent something where uh, it, I don't want to put anything permanent in them, but if they can swallow something and then if someone ever snatched them, we can go and track them, okay? So if you can, <laughs> like if they can swallow a pill. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, because I see some products out there, but we just—it was hard for us to make some of the products that are out there the, on the shops work. So, you know, I, I'm gonna be looking for you to help me solve that problem. Uh, now, just so you know, he's talking about martial arts. My wife has taken them to jujitsu right now. So, nice. you know, so uh, they're learning how to choke out people, but still, <laughs> they're, they're seven and five. They're seven and go. five. <laughs> I teach my five year old all day. He 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 gets he gets tired of seeing that when I'm like have focus mitts on him. Like yo, let's go. Amen, amen, amen. Now Elon Musk has a new project that he's working on entitled Neuralink, where your mind seemingly becomes one with the computer, where they actually drill a hole in your head in order. Are you familiar with that project? And if you I'm are, I've I read a little bit about that. I, I've read a lot about that, and. <laughs> And, and you know what's strange about that though, is that um, it kind of, <laughs> I guess in a very awkward, indirect way, is kind of like what the iPhones and, and all the social media platforms are doing with our kids right now. You know, right, right. it's controlling what they're, what they're, you know, what they're seeing and what they're exposed to. But I think for that particular platform he has, he has it to whereas you would, be able to have access to information from any, you know, from any connected source, um, and and be able to provide you with that information. Um, I I don't I don't agree with that personally. I think I think right now technology has helped in a big way, but it also has hindered in a big way. And I mean, I think it's hindered creative thinking. It's hindered it's hindered hard work. It's hindered uh, the ability to go out and do some due diligence and research yourself um, so that you can have some type of uh, uh, onus into a particular topic or whatever it is. So that being said, I, I see that being more harmful than, than helpful. And then, you know, who, what are the controllers involved was my thought process as far as, um, you know, if it's providing me with information, how do I control it? How can I turn it off? Um, what is it, you know, what does that do for me now and my ability to actually, as a human, be able to retain information? It seems like now, you know, think about it. If, if I, if I jog every day, you know, maybe I can't run a mile right now, but if I keep exercising and running, I'll probably be able to run a mile and a half within another week or two weeks or a month. Well, what happens if now I am relying solely on outside or exterior platform to bring information to me internally and now all of a sudden okay i need to find about this and i can look it up or it's coming into my head blah 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 okay well how does that affect the operation of what the brain is truly capable of doing um you know and moving forward that's how i look at it but you know and then who's to censor what information is being provided for you you know amen amen yeah i just uh read a meme that was uh kind of telling where it said uh Remember when, before the internet, when we thought a lack of information was our problem? Yeah. You know, so so uh, we have a lot of access to information, but it seems like people are 
slower than ever in some issues. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the scientific community seems divided on the the dangers of artificial intelligence. Mm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think artificial intelligence should should definitely have a limit um, because we work with right now with the AI platform that learns and, 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 you know, that can actually make a lot of decisions and, you know, X amount of time period, you know, which is which is awesome. However, I think when it comes to the decision making, there needs to be someone who controls that, because if you have artificial intelligence, starting to make decisions that override human decision making and human um you know humans uh uh, platform of you know the next steps or what or course of action to take i think that's when it could become very problematic so you know i I think artificial intelligence is is important if you're looking at it like within the, the realm of you know data, statistics, uh, alerting, uh, finding out, you know, where or identifying where a particular problem is, fact-finding and searching, but not controlling. Because then if it starts to think for us, then what happens? (laughs) Yeah, Elon is concerned with it taking us out. Do you think that it's going to, do you think that's a concern? It very well could be. I would, I would, um, I, I, Honestly, yes, that could truly be a problem. I mean, think about it. So if I have, if I have, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but if I have a particular uh, platform that's working off of AI and it deals with, I don't know, weaponry or uh, releasing some type of potential, you know, controlling toxins or what have you, and and now this system sees fit that you know what i think i need to go ahead and turn this on because i want to prevent x y and z you never know what the outcome the outcome could be you know catastrophic you never know so now here's another concern for ai knowing what you know will we be replaced in the workplace by ai or will new jobs be created for us with the advent of more and more technology um both i mean replacement has already begun it's already started. Um, it, it, it really has. I mean, like right now, you could probably there's a there's a, a, a fast food restaurant or something where they are there's a, a arm that's actually making the burger and prepping it and doing all that stuff. Um, and, and I mean, you even see the, the the I think Domino's or one of some of the one of the large pizza providers or something. They have a pizza that's actually made in the oven and then delivered to you. So, so that and that's actually already done. You know, it's already automated. So that being said, um, I think it's already it already has begun. Um, however, there still will be a need for humans and and you know with the programming, with the creating, with with the management, it would just be less. Um, it will be a lot less as far as human interaction. So that being said. Uh, Technology, programming, coding—I mean, there there are quite a few jobs in that sector that you know there is a high demand for. But AI has replaced a lot of jobs where, it, you know, you you won't require a lot of skill um, needed to perform it. Um, so that's one thing. But also, too, um, if you look at if you look at certain 
sectors like, you know, education or nurses and, you know, where there, there's a need to show emotion. I, I don't foresee those type of positions um, going away because we still need that, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm being biased, but I still think we need that personal human interaction and touch. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, as a person who works with automation and sensors and who's an expert in that area, what is a science fiction movie that you love? And then also, there might be two separate movies. What is a movie that you think really nails it where this is like, oh, yeah, that, this is as close to the science that we really have. And then, there, and then separately, or maybe it's the same movie, what's a movie that you also really love as a person with a scientific mind? Are this as juvenile as this going sound? <laughs> uh, so because I got I got little boys, you know, I got my oldest son and then I got my little boys. So I loved Meet the Robinsons. Okay. Um, and it was a it's a it's a kids movie, but it you know it was a guy he traveled in time and he was looking he, he uh, a boy who actually met his father. Uh, because I guess his father, his nemesis arrival, stole one of his time machines and started offsetting everything or what have you. Um, so uh, I just I love the whole I love the whole premise behind it um, as far as what it was saying that we'd have to do as far as with our thought process. We got to keep moving forward. Got to keep building, uh, which is like a quote from Disney. Um, however, a lot of the platforms that they have that were like know, science fiction and building. I mean, it, a lot of it mirrors what you see now, like with the Star Wars or the Jetsons or, you know, it's just it, some of the things that you see now, I, I, I think it's it's already, uh, a lot of it comes into fruition, you know. Um, it's just a matter of time. So that being said, I, I think the only one that I'm extremely fascinated with that I love, you know, it's like, it, it is Meet the Robinsons. The next one that I would think would be, there was a platform, I want to say it's called Mirrors. I can't think, Black Mirrors, and it was on Netflix. Okay, okay. And it was, it allows for, there's one, a couple episodes where it allows for my glasses, which they have now. Uh, Google have the glasses where I can actually see a, a live computer screen or image on my glasses and it's, it's network and link, so I can actually get information in real time as I'm actually speaking or whatever and is presenting that on my that but what they did within that platform they put it in the cornea mm -hmm. and you were able to communicate with somebody had facial recognition telling you all this information so you're getting fed all this information sort of like what, what would happen if you had the chip um, sure. except for now visually it's just manipulating it um, but uh, those were you know movies that I thought were really impressive that I, I think could you know, especially, you know, for the Black Mirrors, uh, uh, one of the segments, I think that can actually come into play um, with the our cornea being manipulated and putting that interface uh, where it's a monitor or and a screen that's connected uh, at, at the, the cornea of the eye or the, the front of the eye, but also some type of neural connection that is connected that allow us to access information. So, yeah. It's a matter of time. They got they to fix the one thing that when we go like this, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get us upright. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> at becoming discipline, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas: spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, 
you financial discipline, time management, home, and data organization. Which of these do you consider your strong points? And which do you believe could use some work? And then for the one that could use some work, what is your plan in 2021 to improve in that area? And all of my guests, I got to always say it two or three times. So don't, don't, don't feel bad. All right. So it's spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Which one is the strong point? Which one is the weak point? And what's the plan to strengthen yourself in the weak point? You said spiritual, mental, time, finance, data. Um, I honestly, for where I'm, I, I would say time management <laughs> is the one that I'm, I think I'm really, really, really um, weak in because, you know, I, I, I think I don't have enough of it. Um, uh, and, and also, too, though, I think with all those areas, I consider myself weak in a lot of them because spiritually, I mean, I'm always trying to connect uh, with God. I'm always trying to pray, meditate, and get better. I, bet, I think there's so much that, you know, there is as far as the need for me to grow as an, uh, a human being and, 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 and um, you know, just as a, just as a person in, in, in its totality, you know. Um, finances, you know, everybody... I, Clearly, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting out, you got your finances will be very important on how you leverage and control and, and, and monitor what's, you know, how you allocate your fees. Um, now, you said mental discipline or, or was that mental, mental or emotional discipline? You know, okay, so mental or emotional, I think that's probably one of my strongest. <laughs> awesome. And I'll tell you why, um, because of the platform of that, what I'm learning it's one of my strongest because uh, knowledge about self is self-empowerment. And when you understand the brain and you realize that on average, a human being thinks about 60 to 70, maybe 80,000 thoughts a day that come through our mind and it's repetitive day after day after day. Um, the, 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 what I've learned to realize is that we control what's coming in or what we allow to come into our, our mind, you know? And that being said, I learned to distinguish between a situation um, or an event and reality. Um, so that being said, you have people who, when they suffer with mental illness or emotional situations, nine times out of 10, um, the, that, that, that emotional situation, whether if, if it's anxious, I'm being anxious and fearful over something that may happen in the future. If it's depression or I'm feeling down, I'm thinking about a traumatic incident that has occurred to me or occurred uh, in my life from the past. So that being said, what does that all take place? It all took place as something that's exterior, that's outside. And it has not, you know, and what we've done with our mind is we've allowed it to manifest and we think about it and by thinking about it, when people say thoughts become things, that is true. Thoughts do become things because when I think about a situation and I feel a certain way, or my, you know, my heart rate beats or I'm feeling down or I start to get sick, those thoughts all create a chemical response. Those chemicals in your body 
causes your body to do certain things. Uh, and that's all within the parasympathetic and, you know, the sympathetic nervous system. It's all the autonomic nervous system. But long story short, if an individual learns to control or be a better engineer of their thinking, learn to control their thoughts, learn to control what they're thinking about, uh, they become very powerful. They become very, they become very instrumental in their tra the trajectory of their future and where they're headed. Um, and I guess a case of point would be, um, I'll, I'll take, there's a phobia for everything, but let's just say I take, um, I'll, I'll have this marker or, or let's say this marker is a, a snake. And let's say if it's a snake and I'm a person who loves dealing with uh, uh, reptiles and I see the snake, I'm just, I'm playing with the snake and I'm like, wow, I, I get these feelings of endorphins and I'm happy because I enjoy seeing it and, and interacting with it. However, um, let's say the flip side of that is there's an individual who, when they see reptiles and they see snakes, they get nervous, they start sweating, heart palpitations and chemicals, just like that's, that would be me. Um, and just going crazy and everything is all nervous. So I say all that to say that I could have the same snake, two different individuals with two different interactions. The snake didn't change, but their response and how they perceived it is what changed. So therefore, if I understand that the exterior has nothing to do with what happens in, with my interior. So therefore, I need to understand how I control how I perceive things, what I'm focusing on or what I'm allowing my mind to focus on and think about. And so that's what, you know, when you hold on to the word uh, from uh, Philippians uh, 4.8, and it tells you what files to have in your mind, that's really important that you need to know, you know, what is honest, what is a good rapport, you know, what is pure. Um, those are things that will, you know, you dwell and you concentrate and meditate on. That's powerful. I want to share a little story myself that uh, <clears throat> I was a young preacher working in the uh, Missile Defense Agency. And mm. it was during the time where the anthrax attacks occurred. Mm. And uh, I saw an older, it was an older sister who was the male person for the Missile Defense Agency. And I saw her, you know, troubled. And I, I said, you know, can I pray with you? And uh, I had enough faith to pray with her. But then the sister said, well, I don't want to pray out here in the hallway. Come into my area where all the boxes are, you know what I'm saying? And come and pray with me back here. And okay. I was like, I ain't signing up for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, there's anthrax all, you know, there's anthrax in some of these boxes. So I go back there and I pray with her. And, you know, I, you know, she was blessed and, and, and I went away. But then my mind began to worry about the, you know, was there anthrax in that area? Why did she have to invite me back there? And, you know, right. so, you know, I'm a young preacher, and I start thinking about the anthrax. And that day, I developed uh, rashes and mm -hmm. sores all over my arms with my mind. Now, mm -hmm. it turned out there was no anthrax there. Mm -hmm. Turned out there was nothing that was going on with me truly in the physical. Right. But it was my mind who was beginning to get worried about what happened. So even though that was a very negative situation, 
when I realized that nothing was really happening to me like a day later, two days later, it was really an empowering situation because I began to think if I can make myself sick, yes, then I can make myself well. That's right. That's right. If I can make myself sick with my mind, yes. I can make myself you know, I can make myself empowered and well with my mind. So I just, I just felt led to share that with you. You know, yeah. uh, you know, with, with, right along with what you said about snake. So now, uh, can you tell us about your businesses and your endeavors that you're involved in? We want to hear all about it, and we want to support where we can. You know, tell us about your businesses. Tell us about your patents. Tell us about what's what's going on right now. Okay, sure. So literally, I have two businesses right now, and. Uh, one is DoraQuest Technology, which focused on uh, smart transportation. We developed a smart transportation that allowed for um, uh, cyclists, scooters, uh, jogging pedestrians to actually interact with their surrounding platforms. So in other words, as they're running uh, on a bike path or if a motorcyclist or a jogger is jogging down the street, um, basically his vehicle and where they or her vehicle where they're situated they'll be able to connect and communicate with the next vehicle whether they can see him or not just to let them know that you know that they're in close proximity or in a potential danger to actually um you know cause a collision so it provides warnings as well as provides alerts if there was a particular crash um and it's being uh put on a particular platform and we actually had a uh uh pilot program that we were going to do within Northern Virginia that we were like, okay, we all, we all, you know, excited because uh, I don't know if you know, but well, you, you guys probably know because, um, you know, scooters have become a big thing, but with, with scooters, uh, a lot of crashes with scooters have become a big thing too. <laughs> so we were like, okay, well, look, our platform will be able to, you know, um, be able to allow those, those scooters to communicate with infrastructure and you can find out more about the scooters. And then, if, you know, God forbid, but if the operator is involved in a crash, we can let you know the severity of the crash. And if this user agrees to, you know, where the, the van, we can even tell you some of the biometrics was happening with them. Long story short, they were the city was like, yes, that's great. We'd love to have that. Let's let's get that started. And boom, along comes COVID. <laughs> and all, all monies and allocations and what they were going to do was like, you know what, we got to put that to the side right now. And um, everything was shut down. Now, so I had that and an opportunity came where um, I, I, I had a family reunion and one of my family members uh, who works with the insurance company was like, yeah, you know, I have this platform where, you know, we would love to, you know, have a watch and, and I see you develop these sensors and stuff, and we'd love to have a watch where, you know, we can just, uh, you know, uh, check on our, um, we can look at our patients and see that, you know, what our patients are doing as far as, you know, uh, their their heart rate and, and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, they already have that. I was like, that already exists. So I said, look, let me, let me think about this and let me, um, let me come back to you. And you know, he was like, okay, yeah, great, great. Just let me, let me, um, he was like, just come back. He was like, don't worry about any money, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, meditated. I thought about it and I went back to him and I, I created this platform. You know, I just put together proto boards, put together our, 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 our tests. And I was like, I don't want to create what's already out there. I want to create a platform that does not exist. And this would be something totally different. So 
he was like, all right, well, what do you have? And, and, and um, I, I showed him a platform that I said, look, I can not only be able to monitor, uh, you, can, you can have that person upload the information and you'll see what their heart rate is and blah, 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 and talk to your platform. I said, because that exists. I said, I have a platform that we can monitor their physical, their mental, as well as their chemical stress. We can monitor when they take medication. We can monitor how their body reacts based off of the medication. We can even monitor and give you information and insight um, that can help them with um, with mental health. And um, he was like, "Oh man, I, you know, I don't know what happened after that." But it was like, it was like, "Okay, well, let me think about it." Nothing ever happened, but I'm like, "Okay, God, you gave me this. Now, what am I supposed to do with it?" And it just, I just kept hearing keep moving forward and from that my partner and i we sat down and we you know because i had partnered with an institution and they said well well let's let's see um it was like all right well what are you going to do with this because this doesn't exist this is white space what are you going to do because it's just a white space area like there's no platform connects and i said you know what i'm gonna go ahead and um we apply for our patents we apply for more technology um you know, we have platform more pla- uh, pa- platforms, and I did my research as far as what else did they have out there because uh, I wanted to not only understand the technological or the technology part, I wanted to understand the medical part. So I uh, enlisted the help of a, an, uh, a medical institution, and I was asking them about, well, I have my sensors, and I can determine when a person is having a panic attack or what have you. But I wanted to know, well, what do you do? When, um, when you're providing therapies, when you're working with the person. And the individual said to me, uh, well, I do imagery. I have them think about certain things. I help them count down to re- redirect themselves. And then I have them focus. And then we make, we make, uh, we try to create visual cues to help them with the future and uh, monitor them. And, um, and I, you know, I say, okay, well, I said, what if I could, t- well, I said, what if I told you that I developed a platform that you would not only be able to do that, um, but you can be able to create those images for them and you can have the environment work with them so that uh, when you are monitoring them and you're talking to them, maybe you're giving them therapy sessions in real time, you would be able to give them breathing exercises uh, and, and give them uh, mental imagery uh, images, and you'll be able to monitor in real time all their biometrics, so you can stream that data, and then you can create the images for them and play, you know, certain acoustic therapy sessions for them and monitor that. And they say, "Wow, like that's unheard of. You can do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, we we have that platform." <laughs> so from that, we started a second company, which was Derock Links. And now we're on uh, the platform of creating a few pilots because, you know, the George Floyd situation has come into play uh, with nursing homes and the high level of dementia. And, 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 and at the same time, too, with a lot of people who are seniors who are staying at home, uh, it, it, all the signs were telling me, um, it was like God just saying, look, um, you, you, I'm telling you what needs to take place right now. Uh, you, you've been given this for a reason. And, and I've heard Steve Jobs say, you know, you can never connect the dots looking forward. You always connect them looking back. And literally from the platform and from learning from what happened with 2020, uh, all the stars were aligned to say everything you were working on with sensors and, and empowering people and helping people 
is now coming into play because now you can help uh, individuals mentally. You can help monitor individuals uh, medically. And so, you know, right now they have a system that's called, you know, you, there's like life alert where you say, hey, I've fallen, I can't get up. And the person either has to monitor or they'll get the alert because they fell down. But then that's it. There's nothing that would say, hey, you know, I, I, like I can call my mom and my mom unintentionally may not answer her phone because she's away from her phone. But I can now call my mom and I can, you know, she won't answer, but I can look at my phone and look at my app and be like, oh, wow, mom walked around. Her heart rate's good. She don't have no temperature. She's doing great. And she'll get an email or a, she'll get a text and say, hey, Rob, just checked on you with a smiley face. And then I'll get it back saying and mom is okay and all is well. And that platform, you know, like I said, it's white space, but it would totally change the whole game. So we, like I said, we created a platform, developed uh, two uh, patents that we applied with that platform, and um, and I, I assembled a team of of people who are very familiar with working with that particular space. So collectively, I have with the team we have uh, like eleven patents, uh, and I have solely five issued U.S. patents with uh, two more that are still pending, and I know it's more to come. But uh, this is the this is the platform that we're you know, I know I'm, I'm set as far as my mission with the Rock Links um, to move forward and just create a platform that empowers people, that helps bring people together and connect them, but also to connect their, their um, to connect how they're doing their mental state to uh, a stronger purpose. Because I, I feel a lot of people right now, like I said, um, I mentioned to you before, you know, the people without a vision or a man without a vision will perish. And we create goal-setting platforms and visualization cues all within that that helps them um, create those and monitor as they move along with, with their walk. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds incredible. For someone whose uh, mother passed away from dementia, it, it really, mm -hmm. I could have really used that technology. Um, mm -hmm. Now, a question for my audience. Is there any crowdsourcing that's taking place or is there any type of way to invest and help you make this a reality? Oh yeah, yeah. So we're getting to that space. We're getting to that point to where as we will, um, we will, you know, create a platform where we're having people to invest. Uh, we started with the the uh, pilot programs first because right now we have a police department that uh, has agreed to, to to come on. So now you know it's one thing to say I agree. It's another thing to write that check to say that you agree. Um, we have. We have a shelter, a homeless shelter that we want to create a pilot platform for that they're very interested in, and a school with autism, with uh, kids with autism. Uh, so I have actually four different segments, and the other segment is a at-home um, care. It's an at-home care business where they send CNAs in to check on, uh, you know, a senior who's at home. And what our platform is to do is to create a a a, 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 a conduit for the people who's paying for that service, but to let them get an update of how their loved ones are doing and give them their loved ones therapy. So I say all that to say that we want to expand those pilots and we want to create an opportunity to allow people to invest and um, uh, get involved. And we will have that um, very, very soon. And they can email me and, and we'll send them information on how we'll move forward with that. So that's, that's the cue because our goal is, you know, as I, move forward and, and and I talk to people about this all the time as far as I know now out of all the patents that I have so I have several uh, like I said I have several patents 
but all the patents that I've created has always been designed to provide guidance and direction or help. It's like, it's always been to try to, how can you help someone? And every time I invent something, like I had the motorcycle jackets and, and it'd be in the back of my mind. Yeah, but that's for one segment. And I know God was saying, you're going to do bigger. And I'm thinking, how? And then I come along and I created a platform that helps with traffic monitoring and auto, um, and, and it's also with UAVs and landing systems and it all, all deal with guidance, all deal with communication and connecting automated and as well as unmanned uh, aerial vehicles. I got two patents on that. And um, and I'm like, okay, wow, that's going to help with direction, traffic, aircraft, planes, and landing. And you know, now there are certain platforms where they want to deliver uh, products using uh, UAVs or uh, you know drones or what have you, and and you know I was like man that's it that's great and it's like I was like nah you, you're still still gonna get more and then along you know moving along and and I get to these you know three that we're doing now and the two that I have patent is the system that will help empower people I mean our system will connect even if the individual doesn't want to connect with their doctor. They want to just connect to their environment and get stimuli to help them calm down in their immediate space. Our platform will do that. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is this. And it, you know, it can help from, you know, your young, you know, we were looking at it from, you know, six-year-olds all the way up to 80-year-olds. So that's where our platform is that can reach so many people. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now you're also involved. Uh, with an endeavor with the homeless current, I know that you you're doing something with a homeless shelter, but then you have a, don't you have a separate endeavor with homeless people? Yeah, as well? yes, yeah. So so literally, I, I in college, my ODU days um, at Norfolk, they had a, a, a mission. It was called it was Norfolk Mission or something like that. And um, you know, it's amazing how God calls you to do something that at the time you don't really realize, but you know it's house is bigger than you and it's it's that thing that brings you uh a, a joy and 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 it, it gives you a a feeling of of purpose and um, that helps you along your mission and so i went to this mission and i never forget it was like 92 100 degrees outside it was really hot but the lady was like hey you want to come and help out and and it was, i was like sure and i'm serving spaghetti sweating and it's all these people coming in and they're you know whom I had I didn't know them from a, a can of paint but they all coming in and they're all thanking me and like wow thank you and you know I, thank you I can't believe you're doing this and I'm just like it, you know they felt like I was helping them by just serving them and the message in my head was saying but that's what you're put here for like we're put here to serve. We're put here to your and your like your serving doesn't have to be I serve food. Your serving could be I have to provide this individual with the word, or maybe I, I have to paint this person's house. Or I have, your service could be in so many forms. However, my service is to help enrich and empower people. Yeah. So when I when I work with, like right now, it's the Northern Virginia uh, Family Service. Uh, there's a serve shelter where I provide uh, homeless um, families of like a hot meal. It's like a brunch. I prepare a brunch for like 60 to 100 families. I was doing it also with another serve, uh, Hilda Bark Homeless uh, Prevention Center. And literally, we just go in, talk to the families, um, serve them a hot meal, encourage them. 
and let them know that, you know, they're, we're here for you and we're doing this because we want to, we want to embrace and show you that we care about you and where you are. Um, and, and everybody needs that. I feel like everyone needs that, um, that, that sense of, of, of sense of wanting, sense of belongingness, sense of you're not forget, you're, no one has forgotten about you. We are here for you. So, um, so I, I, that's just been my mission, my mission to literally help, help those that are in need or, you know, at, at a time in need, you know, that's good. Now, how can people help you and where, and where do you primarily serve when it comes to the homeless? So right now with the Northern Virginia uh, Family Services is to serve uh, shelter in Woodbridge, Virginia. Uh, we're um, about to start another one in um, in Arlington, Virginia, uh, but we gotta. I'm trying to work out the kinks for that because the organization, which is Northern Virginia Families, is Northern Virginia Family Services (NVFS). Uh, so literally, I'm working through. Um, I actually just work with their their platform. Um, they tell me which centers they have, and I just go in and prepare the food and make buy the food. I, you know, prepare the food, prep it, and and serve. It's been you know, so right now we're, there, there are so many precautions we take with the, you know, COVID and everything that's going on. But uh, so right now we are just literally making the food and then just delivering it. But I'm, I'm longing for the moment to get back to where it's still hands-on, hand-to-hand communication and talking. So, you know, so with that being said, um, you know, it, it, I, I just, the, the only help that we can get is I encourage other people to do that, you know, get involved and, and try to help other centers or other, just find out where your local homeless shelter or um, a platform where, you know, maybe even a church is actually providing because it's, it's definitely needed. And I, I promise you there is an area probably not even, I don't know, probably within the vicinity, not even a mile or two miles away from you that can benefit from that. Robin, we can thank you. We can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need to do this. We truly appreciate you. You have the last word. And just so you know, our audience, I, I lovingly and affectionately call them the Get Better Club. They're typically around from ages 28 to 30 to 55 to 57. They're trying to improve. They're trying to become better versions of themselves. You have the last word. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Um. You know, closing thoughts is just that, you know, I uh, thank you for this opportunity and uh, God is real. Uh, His words are are real. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a way maker. And um, I can't amplify it enough that he's done tremendous things in my life. Uh, So that being said, um, I can I feel as though it is it is definitely my duty, responsibility, and calling to always glorify his name whenever I get the opportunity to do so. So um, just please just keep your faith, stay strong, and uh, keep moving forward. Amen. If you found Robin Stewart as interesting as we did, please check out his websites at therocklinks.com. That is D-I-R-A-C-L-I-N-K-S dot com or DoryQuest.com. That is D-O-R-I Quest dot com. And if you are interested in helping Robin bring 
some of his endeavors to life, bring some of his uh, scientific endeavors to life uh, by crowdfunding or crowdsourcing, you can email him directly at robin at dirachlinks.com. That's D-I-R-A-C-L-I-N-K-S.com. You can email him directly at robin at dirachlinks.com. And for those of y'all who are on YouTube, we spell all of this out so that uh, the people who are listening on Audible and our, our audio podcast can be able to connect with him as well. Most of all, family, we thank you. You are a member of the Get Better Club, and we appreciate you for tuning in. We really need you to subscribe and share our podcast if you want us to continue to put out valuable content.